Good morning, Southbrook. And you Bengals fans, you have no shame to lay at the feet. Yeah, there you go. We're so excited about today. Who day for sure. I love this lady right here. Her name is Chris Horlocker. And a number of years ago, she said, kids don't have, some kids don't have shoes. Somebody ought to do something about that. And guess who the somebody was who did something about that? Chris Horlocker. Yes. And so she started Shoes for the Shoeless, and this woman is a force. I want to, it's not of nature, of the Spirit of God. She is literally giving hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of kids shoes to wear and socks to wear. And so look at this. Do we have the, do we have the slide, Eric? Do we have the slide? Today is shoe day. Yes. Oh, Chris, I love that. Shoe day. And so we decided we want to be a part of Shoe Day. We want to show you how something's working now, that you're part of a different church. So many of you know, a couple years ago, we started this for-profit entity out of our chapel and reverie reception called Reverie. And we host events, uh, hundreds of weddings and funerals and other events. Well, it's, it's the way that in an era where you can't sustain ministry just by the offering bag alone, we are making ministry dollars generated through that. So today, as of, uh, because Reverie has generated uh, ministry dollars, some of that's gone to South for Kids. Today, because Joe Burrow wears size 12 shoes, we are giving $12,000 to Shoe Day because of you, because you made this happen. So Chris, tell us, so I'm, here's the check, Chris, $12,000, yeah. So it, uh, it, it's just, to me, I love this. This is the kind of stuff that I feel like, okay, my life had meaning because I'm a part of something like this. Of, I like that you think that way. I do, because, this, you know, it's just, when you do stuff like this, I go, okay, all right. I, I'm a part of this, and, and the privilege to be a partner with you here at Southbrook. So tell Southbrook, because you don't understand, gang, your generosity is what made that happen. Okay, that's, that's not Southbrook, uh, an entity, that's you. You are Southbrook. And so tell Chris what's happening because of this. Okay, first of all, Leah told me you were not giving me a mic. So, oh, because yeah. I was happy I know, about that's that. That's all right. You want so, to preach the sermon today, don't oh, you? You, you can do. go sit down, Charlie. <laughs> yeah, um, I know that. People who know me are scared right now because this <laughs> mic is in my hand. Yeah. Uh, so, I'm going to be really short, and I just want to say thank you. Um, my coworker who told me about this, and then he had to leave town, he said, You just have to act surprised. I can't because I already know about it. Um, <laughs> um, but I'm so grateful. $12,000 puts shoes and socks on 1,000 of the poorest kids in our region. Um, that's, yes. that's quite a bit, folks. And I'm going to be here after service. If anybody doesn't know what we do or why or how, just I would love to talk to you about that. But I want you all to think about this. In two weeks, I need 25 extra people to come with me to a Dayton public school called Fairview. Um, I need 20 to 25 of you. During the day, 8.30 a.m. to noon, anybody out here thinking that can be you, see me after service, and I'll tell you how to come and see exactly what you're what your $12,000 Where will you be, Chris? Do? So will you be, is it's, there a designated area where you Oh, uh, where do you be? want me to be? Just be right by the information table. I'll be and by the information be so table. People. And, and uh, the, the thing with that is, is, is I don't know anyone, we don't know any one of our partners, especially in Dayton, who is more in tune with the poor in Dayton like Chris is. And so thank you. 
Okay. Thank so you much. all. Thank you so much. Thank you so much. All right. God bless you. Yeah. <laughs> take that away from me. Here, Chris, you take that. Just don't speak up while I'm preaching, okay? Just don't, don't, don't say anything while I'm preaching. Um, here's why today also it was pivotal to do this today. It's because one of the things that we're doing with our Players Box initiative is, is as many of you know, we are renovating our building so that we can turn this into a place that, that gathers parents and students and children six days a week to meet students in arts, academics, and athletics where they are with the performance pressure. That's, that's our point of intersection. And one of the things we're going to do with Players Box is we're not just going to, hey, come kids and we'll serve you. We're going to equip them to be leaders and impactors, influencers. And so one of the things we're going to do is we're going to attach Players Box to Shoes for the Shoeless. And if these kids are a part of Players Box, that also means they'll be a part of making kids in our area get equipped with shoes and socks. And, uh, and I just love the idea that we can, we can just add a greater purpose than them just, you know, a bunch, let's be honest, a bunch of real, already really well-resourced kids. As a matter of fact, the reason we have Players Box is it's an affliction of affluence is what it is. And, and that we can say, hey, now we're going to let you impact the real world. And, and that's how they'll grow. So um, before I get into the details on that, let's not say who day. At the count of three, let's say shoe day. Okay, ready? One, two, three. Shoe day. That's right, man. We're, you were a part of that, Southbrook. Um, so let me give you an update because as of February 10th, so for those of you who are new today visiting, we started this initiative to raise $4 million so that we could renovate this whole place and do some addition for kids outside and uh, turn it into a place for students and, and parents, et cetera. And as of February 10th, we have raised 23% of the project in cash. In just four months, we've raised over $900,000 in cash. I mean, and you understand that it, this, this thing has got a chance to really make a big impact. So that is a huge start. How that impacts our process is the construction drawings are done. We have finished those, and we are <clears throat> starting the civil engineering process. And very shortly, the bid package for the project is going to go out in the next couple of weeks. And so as soon as that is, uh, the process is completed, we have permit, permits, we will order steel, and then that, so the, we'll give you updates when that happens. Uh, we also want you to know, though, that this is so critical. Our church is a staff-led church, which means that, you know, some, I think a couple of people have asked, Did, we didn't vote on this project. No, we are led by a core of people, and because we, we realize that you'll vote with your butts and your bucks. That's how you vote. You know, you come and you give. That's how, that's how you say, yeah, I'm all in. And so many of you said, yep, I'm voting yes on this. And so why that's critical to say is our church is 100% built on trust. If we don't have trust, we don't have other ways to build equity and ownership. And so our, our intensive audit is now finished from 2021. And they are on our, our website. Our financials are on our website. And they tell a compelling story of two things. Your generosity during a pandemic. And also, the, how our team is responsibly stretching your generosity to impact Dayton with the kingdom of God's resources. And so make sure if you have an interest in that, 
Uh, go to our website and look at it. If you're having trouble sleeping, go to our website and look at it. It'll cure insomnia, okay, uh, for those of you who, who need to do that. Now, we're in a series that we started last week, and all I'm going to do today is I'm going to tell you about our church because today's text is an exact explanation of why we have Joe Burrow up here. And did you notice that Levi said Burrows? It's just a rookie mistake, okay? So it's just a rookie mistake. And, but, but why we do some things that we do, that it is mad, there's method to our madness. And the reason is, is our mission, we're very clear, is to connect people to Christ, not religion. If you don't know the difference, then listen to last week's message. You can get that on our website, Listen, you hit that tab, listen, and you can listen or watch. As we're in this series, Life Beyond Religion, which Jesus did not come to say, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to improve religion. He came to end religion and start something brand new. And so I asked the question this week, but what if our mission was not to connect people to Christ, or to Christ, not religion? What if our mission were to connect people to religion, not Christ? First of all, it'd be so much easier. Man, you don't, you can't, it would just spin your head how quickly a church can become religious and serious and somber and, and all these things. So I thought, well, if we were having a mission that was, we were to be religious, then we would need to come up with our own Ten Commandments so, for our religious order so that we're not disordered. So here they are. And if you could, if you're, you just envision us being religious, here they are. Number one, thou shalt not drive in the exit, nor drive out the entrance. Repent, or you too will perish, okay? All right, that's where it starts. Number two, thou shalt not leave your cell phone ringer on in church. Reintroducing the practice of stoning is being considered. For those of you who break that commandment. Number three, thou shalt not intentionally harm geese on our property. But we understand that accidents do happen, okay? <laughs> Number four, thou shalt not bring your cute child into adult worship to either cry or simply be cute. The closer they are to the platform, the greater the transgression and sin. Number five, thou shalt not hiss at the preacher when he tells cat jokes. This simply proves his point about cat people anyway, okay? <laughs> Number six, thou shalt not drool when sleeping in church. Can we all agree on that commandment, okay? Just no drooling. Just stop the drooling. I've seen people drool in their Bible. That's just like unholy to do that. Number seven, thou shalt not drop off your child in Southbrook kids and go shopping. Can we all agree? You, we know you who do that, okay? It's like you, you think you're not known where well, you are. Number seven, thou shalt not drop off your teen anywhere and move to another state. Don't do that. We love teens around here. Number nine, thou shalt not miss church to watch a game if the preacher cannot do that. Okay, that's off limits. And number 10, thou shalt not wear Steelers jerseys to church. Can we all agree on that? <laughs> what a religious order we would have if we could all follow. And you can see how facetious I'm being because rules don't change people. Rules are needed, especially for middle schoolers. Rules are needed. But rules don't change the soul, and Jesus knew that, and he said, I've come, and I'm bringing something new. I have fulfilled the law, and now I'm going to give you something that is inwardly transformative. And I'm excited in the next few weeks, as for many of you, we're going to unpack what Jesus came to do. And, and many of you have told me after the first week, I, I just, how have I missed this? 
Because last week we began with the famous eight beatitudes of Jesus. It's based on a Latin word that, that beautific comes from the same word. And the, the words begin with, the, the beatitudes begin with blessed, blessed are. And we learned, for example, that blessed are is not, this is what you must be. That, for example, when he said, blessed are the poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of God. He wasn't saying, be poor in spirit. He's saying, for all of you who are spiritually bankrupt, good news, my kingdom's for you. My kingdom's for you. Look at this on the screen. The Beatitudes are not a picture of the Christian ideal. They are not telling us what to be. They are telling us that if we find ourselves mourning and, and, and walked over because we're meek and merciful and peacemakers, if we find ourselves in those conditions, there is a kingdom for you. There is a kingdom for you. And then he, 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 he continues this by saying, now again, you got to understand, he's not speaking to the spiritual elite. He's not speaking to people who know their Bibles. He's speaking to people who are the lessers, who are the outsiders. And look at what he says next in Matthew 5.13. You, you drunks, you former drug addicts, those of you who have been sexually immoral, those of you who... Who you don't know the you don't know the difference between geniuses and Genesis. You are the salt of the earth. You are the salt of the earth. But if the salt loses its saltiness, how can it be made salty again? It is no longer good for anything except to be thrown out and trampled underfoot. He gives a qualifier there that's really important. He then says, You are the light of the world. A city set on a hill cannot be hidden. It must not. It's an imperative. Neither do people light a lamp and put it under a bowl. Instead, they put it on its stand and it gives light to everyone in the house. And in the same way, here is your marching orders. You broken, poor in spirit, merciful, peacemaking, lessers. You let your light shine before people that they may see your good deeds and glorify your Father who is in heaven. Sometimes I think we like to complicate this so that we're off the hook. It's really not complicated. That he simply says, he said, all of you who have an image of yourself that, oh, oh, God could never use me. He looks at you and he says, you know, I'm not taking a 30-second ad out on the Super Bowl tonight to announce my kingdom. You're my plan. You're my plan. And I imagine there were some people in the crowd on that mountaintop who were saying the same thing. Some of you saying, oh, no, no, if you only knew. And he says, oh, no, no, no. I'm not going to do an external renovation. I'm going to do, we're going down to the studs, and I'm going to renovate you from the inside out, and you're going to see your life had a greater impact than you could ever imagine. Now, think about salt. Salt spices things up. Salt creates thirst. Salt is a preservative. And all those things embody that Jesus says, I'll make you have the kind of life that you make life interesting, you preserve decay in society, and you add flavor. Now think about that. Think about how many religious people that you've been turned off by that they left a, we even say it, a, they, they leave a bad taste in your mouth. And because and, that's often what we think this, this re religious order thing is, is. It's about being the kind of person who just drives everyone crazy with how right we are. And Jesus says, no, you'll, you'll, you'll be salt. You enhance the flavor of life. 
you'll draw people in a thirst and a hunger for me. Think about light. Light illuminates. Light is undefeated against darkness. This is one of the things we tell the kids in player's box. Just as light is undefeated against darkness, love is undefeated against fear. Fear has never beaten love. And now we know neurologically that's literally true. And he says, now I want you to illuminate in the dark places with my compassion. If you see a need in your city where kids don't have shoes, you light that up with shoes. You light that up with my love. And think about what also light does. Light draws itself toward it. And Jesus said, I'm the light of the world. You're the light of the world. And we will draw people to him. He said, if I'm lifted up, I'll draw people to me. We are the signal in the city's darkness that says, come to this light. It's an amazing thing because nothing can give meaning to your life and an adventure when you wake up every day and go, okay, how am I going to be salt and light today? It just, it, there's nothing that takes the place. There are thrills and there are thrills that fulfill. And when you totally understand that you have a pivotal place to play in the life of your community and, and your business your city, your school, it takes on a whole new meaning that I'm salt and light. That's, that's what it comes down to. Look at the, it's simple this way. Flow and glow, that's what he's saying. Flow out of the salt shaker, get out of your little holy huddles and, and light up your world because when you do that, when you savor and shine, it'll eventually happen where people are drawn. The people in this church who have been most powerful in making an influence are the least religious people I know. They don't live out of a fear, if I don't do, I'll go to hell. If I don't do, God frowns at me. They live in the joy of he has blessed me and, uh, and now I get to. I, one of the things I love about Chris is you're around her for five seconds, you realize nobody's making her do this. Nobody's making her provide shoes for kids. It is a privilege of her life being blessed. Those of you that financially are generous to the kingdom of God, it's not because you fear that if you don't, that you're, you know, you're going to be uh, you know, in the shack down by the river in heaven. You, know, you might make it, but you're not going to be in the mansion of gold. No, no, it's because you love being a blessing to other people because he's blessed you. And uh, I love when you see places in the scriptures where Jesus said the same thing in different ways. Here's what he said on the night that he was betrayed. He was praying and John recorded it. And he said, Father, I have given them your word, John 17, 14. And the world has hated them for they are not of the world any more than I am of the world. My prayer is not that you take them out of the world, but that you protect them from the evil one. They are not of the world even as I am not of the world. So look at that. Look at that balance. He says, I want them to have a distinctive difference. Like the people say, wow, they're, diff that's, they're different, but they have a distinctive identification with the world. Be in it, not of it. And this is the critical balance if you want to have an impact. Identifying your, with your world doesn't mean just have the same morals and the same ethics and the same standards as everybody else flow because you'll really impact me. He said, no, 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 no. He said, Father, I pray that you make them not of this world. But they have a different something, an it living inside them that empowers them to stand out. And it's not religion. It's not because, I mean, some of the most dour people I know know tons about the Bible. And I wish they knew less about the Bible and had more joy. Amen. Sheldon Van Auken famously wrote these words 
the best argument for Christianity is Christians, their joy, their certainty, their completeness. But the strongest argument against Christianity is also Christians when they are somber and joyless, when they are self-righteous and smug, when they are narrow and repressive, Christianity dies a thousand deaths. If you've got the love of Jesus in your heart, notify your face, would you please? (laughs) This is so essential, you know, that we're never, you know, the bugs aren't attracted to to the darkness. The bugs are attracted to the light. And I just cannot emphasize enough, you know, one of the things we know about, you say, well, wait a minute, having stuff that we do on these platforms that seems frivolous, you you know why we do some of this stuff? It's because churches die of seriousness. They do. The the gospel is the most important, serious proclamation ever given to the world. But we're a joke, to be quite honest. I mean, we're, we're a bunch of bumbling, fumbling, stumbling people, just like Peter, James, and John were. And half the time, we don't know what we're doing. And you just, sometimes you just have to laugh. Because you can't be... You can't become, as a matter of fact, Solomon said this in Ecclesiastes. He says, don't become over-righteous nor over-wise. You ever know anyone like that? It's like, man, you're, 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 you're too righteous. You're too religious. And what he meant by that was, it, it's not that you can be too good. It's just simply, whoa, I don't want what you have. I don't want what, if that's what it means to be a, a follower of Christ, that's not what I want. So here's the deal. Seven things that I can just tell you real quick. Number one, be authentic. When you mess up, say it. Own it. Don't, don't, the, the worst thing that turns people off are cosmetic Christians who, do, who have all the bumper stickers and the big black, big black Bibles, but, but they're not real. Number two, be positive. Nothing takes your saltiness away, your savor and and your light dimmed than complaining. If you're a complainer, please don't let people know you're a Christian. Would you just do us a favor? <laughs> Hide it. Hide your faith under a bushel. <laughs> Take the bumper stickers off your car. To, you know. uh, number three, be excellent. This is really underrated. And we're, you know, you, some of you work in companies where people cut corners and you're excellent and people don't like that because you don't cut corners and you make everybody else look bad. Uh, be excellent. Be excellent in your morals and ethics. Stand out. Number four, be encouraging. You be the one who builds others up because you have a security that you found in Christ that you don't need to be the one always focused on yourself. Number five, be loving. Have you noticed we live in an utterly graceless culture? I mean, this culture has no grace, except when people start winning football games and then all of a sudden that team's forgiven or whatever. But we have no grace in this culture. If you will just be a graceful person, you will stand out. In Tim Keller's five distinctives of the first church, he said they had five distinctives. Number one, they were the first uh, multiracial, multiethnic movement in the history of the world. Number two, they were radically committed to the poor and the sick. Number four, Four, I'm going to skip one because I'm going to come back to that. They were radically pro-life, meaning from, 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 from womb to tomb, they protected life and they coveted life. And number five, they were radical, sexually radical movement of one man, one woman in marriage. They were radical on that. That's just, that's just history, okay? That's, I'm not opening a dialogue today that I want to talk about on Super Bowl Sunday about that. What I want to tell you is what number three was. 
which is neither right nor left. Number three was they did not respond when wronged. They did not react. They did not, if somebody cut them off in traffic, they did not give the one finger salute to, to people. I'm a Christian. They, this is just, I mean, it's just so easy to stand out just by being graciously loving, right? Uh, six, be generous. Be the one who tips the most, gives the most. And number seven, be alert. Just be alert. And if you do those seven things, you're going to, you're going to be salty. You're going to make the environment thirst for what you have. You're, you're going to be salty. You're, you're going to create a sense of flavor and you're going to be light that illuminates and draws. So here's the deal. We don't have ten commandments. That still means you shouldn't drive in the exit nor out the entrance. <laughs> but I got to say this. Look at this. Look at this. If your cell phone goes off in church, just time it. Okay? Just, just time it to where it's not at a moment like this that is really serious. Okay? Uh, don't harm geese. Um, if you bring your child in here because you're not comfortable with your child going to Southbrook Kids yet, sit in the back, okay? Don't sit up front. Um, I'm going to tell cat jokes. It's just, this is, I just, I love cats. That's the secret that nobody knows about, but I just love pushing the buttons of cat people. I just, it's just something that's a privilege of my position. I would rather have you drooling in church than sleeping in your home. So don't worry about that. And guess what? guess what? We love Steeler fans here, right? We do. We are a radical movement. Some of the people I love most in this world are Steeler fans and Michigan fans because Jesus lives in me, right? <laughs> right? Yes. And this is what's cool about this place is today I know there's a lot of black and orange here, but we love all of you. Amen? Amen? That's right. Let's pray. Let's pray. And let's just let's go. Let's just do one of uh, Israel's feasts together it's called the Super Bowl party, okay? Uh, Father, um, we thank you that we're a part of a movement that, right or wrong, it has a dynamic to it. We see ourselves as a movement. We are not the frozen chosen. We are moving. We're constantly intercepting entropy. We will be different two years from now than we are now. Why? Because a body has to keep moving. And we're, we're hopefully, we're, we're in step with your spirit. And I, I pray that today, for, especially for new people, that they see this is what drives this church, is salt and light. That's, the, the, our plan is that we're all salt and light. That's our plan. And that you'll just fill us with flavor and flow through us with light that glows. And uh, we pray that. We want to pray for our friend Chris Horlocker and her team at Shoes for the Shoes that you keep blessing them. And we thank you that we get to partner because of our people's generosity that raises up something like reverie that throws parties for Muslim women who get to see the love of Jesus through our people. It's just amazing. I can't believe we're part of a place like this. And, and kids who will come here and would have never stepped foot on this property, but because of player's box, they will. And we get to partner with people like that. We pray your blessing on Shoes for the Shoeless, that you keep Chris healthy, that you bless her and keep her. You make her, your face shine upon her and be gracious to her, that you turn your face toward her and give her your shalom. 
And in Jesus, we pray this, and everybody said, who day? Who day? All right, see you next week.